Hello, everyone, and welcome to the NASDAQ Dorsey Wright podcast for the week ending on October 6th. Uh, my name is Ian Saunders. David, it is uh, good to be sitting across the table here from you again. Yeah, it's been probably like two months, but it, uh, since we've done a podcast across the table, we've done a few uh, through Zoom, right. but you know, right. this is a little bit different, a little bit uh, better working environment. If you yeah, know. a little bit easier, more conversational going back and forth. Absolutely. And, Certainly a lot of conversation to be had about stuff that we've seen going on in the markets. I mean, this is the first podcast we're doing in the fourth quarter. It's, it's wild to think that we are already in October. I feel like we were just entering the the third quarter just a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. going back and looking at some of the the articles that we put out and the report on typically on a quarter, the beginning of each quarter. I feel like I was just writing that last week. It's crazy to think it's it's already, it's, we're already in October. It's almost Halloween. Summer flew by. Right. I mean, truly flew by, and it uh, wasn't for a lack of things for investors to watch. That isn't. Yeah. At this point, we've got a few things that uh, they still need to keep an eye on. It the fourth quarter as we move towards the end of the year here. So, not for a uh, lack of things that we continue to monitor, continue to watch, and really, I think one of the biggest things that we've talked about as an analyst team, as well as we get a lot of calls about, has been just been looking at the U.S. dollar. And it's charge over these summer months that, you know, it, it seemed like really it was, like you said, only it, it feels like only a few weeks ago we were talking about that the dollar tends to trend, it's moving negative, we've kind of seen a rebound out of it. Ultimately, in August, we returned back to that buy signal, and now we're at 107 on that DX forward slash Y chart, back in a positive trend. So compared to two months ago, very different conversation when we're when we're talking about the dollar just in in its own vacuum. Not yeah. much less the effects it's had across the market over those two months. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, looking at that dollar default chart. So we're gonna what we're gonna do for this first podcast in the fourth quarter is have four charts, four charts graphs, four things to look at for the fourth quarter. Right, dollar being the, the first one as you mentioned there. Um, so from twenty twenty one into October of twenty twenty two. We saw the most consecutive buy signals we'd seen in the U.S. dollar throughout the history of the chart. Um, And then we turned around in October of 2022 and gave an initial sell signal, what ended up being six consecutive sell signals lower. As you mentioned, it fell down to that kind of 100 point um, level that we see there on the default chart. And turn around straight column of X's back up over the course of the past few months. Not the longest column of X's, but uh, definitely among them. For right. Sure. Well, it's not even the longest out. column of X's we've seen in the past two years. I mean, back mm-hmm. from um, February of 22 into May of 22, I mean, we saw an uptick from the column of X's, the, the column that began at the 96 point ultimately hit one of five, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it, it's not it's not unnatural to see an extended column of X's in the, when it gets going in a particular direction, it tends to, to kind of have some notable runs, right? Well, and the adage we always bring up is the dollar tends to trend. That sometimes doesn't necessarily mean just the long term. Right, you know? right, right. <laughs> it can be that, that, that conversation too, that right now in the short term, we would say the trend obviously on the point and figure chart has now moved back positive, but really we've just seen incrementally higher prices for the dollar for really kind of beginning since around middle of July, which is about the time we kind of saw this shift within the markets really um, that we'll, we'll touch on quite a few things that we've seen move around. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're coming off back to back negative months for the S and P. I mean, we saw broader markets down several percent over the course of the month of September. Um, we see that the 
dollar doesn't necessarily have as much an effect on the straight numbers perspective of returns for the domestic equity market like it does in the international equity space, certainly. Um, and we've seen a, a lot of weakness, especially recent weakness over the past couple of weeks on the international side. We'll have a, some big coming out in the report today. We're recording this on Thursday. Um, international equities failed their bogey check on our Dolly ranking with um, movement this week. Um, which is a near-term relative strength indication, but still, we, we still see international equities in that second spot, but it's pretty close with commodities, which kind of leads into another area that we want to highlight as chart number two, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and really, the chart number two is going to be crude oil. You know, Yesterday, we saw a pretty notable move lower with crude oil, which we were kind of talking about uh, that on the call this morning, that it, the the long and short of that conversation was that there was there was news out there that maybe we're seeing demand waning in crude oil that really over the past rolling four weeks that we've just continued to see that demand fall and fall and fall and the report came out saying so ultimately leading crude to tumble from really that kind of high 80 area I wouldn't really say tumble just at this point, we would still probably call it a pretty healthy pullback as far as chart action goes. I mean, healthy pullbacks are a relative term for crude oil. I mean, look <laughs> at that default <laughs> chart. True. For those following along, you got CL4. So there's CL4 slash is going to be that default chart for there for crude oil. Um, one point chart, two consecutive buys, right. September, and then turnaround sell signal there at the 88 level um, earlier this week. And it moved down to that 85 level. So it's now declined 10% over the past week um, there for crude oil. I mean, 10% healthy pullback, right? right? But I mean, it, we're looking at some statistics that we we're running for 10% corrections, right? Mm -hmm. We see crude oil has hit at least one 10% decline in every single year since 1984, which is pretty notable. Um, and it averages about three and a half a year in terms of those 10% declines. This is the third this year. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's seen kind of similar movement to what we might expect historically, even though we've gotten a lot more attention over the past couple of weeks. But looking at that 10% drop, move from 95 down to 85, um, the average correction so ultimately is kind of tends to lead to that 20% decline mark. So when you see a decline 10%, not every 10% leads to a 20% down, but the average 10% move lower ultimately kind of bottoms out around the 20% lower mark, which on the chart here would be around the 74 level. So it would move back to a negative trend with movement. If it got down to the 78-ish level, we see some support around that 78-ish level from August of this year, mm -hmm. and then some support from July coming around 74, which would be right around that 20% lower mark. So certainly not to say that there's there's some notable support, or is to say there is some notable support before we get down to that 20% mark. Just because we hit 10% doesn't mean we're going to hit 20. We've seen a pullback right to the midpoint on its trading band, as we see here now. Mm -hmm. Um but definitely going to be an interesting area to kind of keep an eye out here for as we look toward movement for the next couple months here. Well, and it's kind of something that's interesting because, you know, it's easy for us as investors to have a short term memory. Because right. even talking about some of these prices, if we're talking about a 20 percent correction, we're just back at prices that we saw back in July. Of this year. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it's, it's not all that distance and real distant that we were, you know, in the 70s, 60s uh, as far as per barrel for, for crude oil. But right, right. now even looking at that chart action, you mentioned that it's coming back to the middle of the trading band. Again, sort of short market memory, this 84, 85 level was almost the, the wall that we had to climb over this year. And we saw that done in September, but that resistance had stayed in place 
since December of last year. So, yeah. I mean, we were working on nine months of of uh, of any security trying to push and test resistance is surprising and ultimately not being able to break through it. Generally speaking, if you see that many tests, you're, it, it's a pretty good line in the sand for, for the security. But now with the pullback, it also acts as line in the sand in a way for support. Yeah, I mean, prior resistance oftentimes becomes support after you kind of break through that level. And I mean, it's right at the 50-day moving average, kind of crude oils, kind of where we're bouncing around um, with movement here. It'll be, I mean, certainly not going to make a call like a lot of others out there that are saying, as I mean, I feel like as soon as crude oil hit 90, you started hearing people, it's going to hit 200, it's going to hit 150, right? I mean, yeah. I remember the, the calls back when it was in the 120s, oh, it's going to hit 200 before the end of the year, and then that was the And top, it's never done it. Right? So, <laughs> as, as, soon as, as soon as you start hearing that, you're like, oh, well, it might, might be a time to, time to maybe look elsewhere. But the chart has been pretty, not necessarily consistent in a signal perspective, but it's been trending in a similar perspective on the default chart recently. And we've certainly kind of broken back through the upside. Um, there was some resistance from the August timeframe of last year around that 95, 96, 97 mark with a little bit more resistance, obviously around the 100, 101 mark as we were kind of looking at upside. Also gotten a heavily kind of overbought extended position there um, in terms of its that that trading band, that 10-week trailing trading band. Um, so not surprised to see it pull back some. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see it maybe test some other support. There's not much support before you get down to that bullish support line currently at that 79 mark. Mm -hmm. So there, there is a little bit of room to uh, see this possibly move lower. But like we've talked about, pulling back to middle of trading band, really pulling back to the 50-day moving average, pulling back to all of resistance. I mean, again, in, the, in, in a vacuum, if we're talking about an individual chart, just any security, those are fairly decent things. I mean, there's silver linings there in a way that, yes, we've seen a drawdown, but here's some of the evidence or here's some of the support we've got to maybe say, you know, it could hang around this area. But again, I mean, like you said, uh, there's a lot of things with crude oil that can be relative because it just moves that much faster and right, that right, much more right, and gets right. that much more of a reaction, especially globally. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility to continue to, to see it move lower. Crude oil kind of uh, would maybe say might be an outlier in terms of some things whenever we look at it just because of the crazy. crazy yeah, I mean, it's, volatility. A, it's a commodity there, right? Which yeah. makes the, the technical levers, levels uh, that we're kind of hitting on here. I mean, important to monitor, right? So, I mean, this chart definitely, like you said, that overhead resistance could be support. I mean, kind of where we're at now, going to be important to monitor over the next few weeks and see how that shapes out throughout the course of the next few months. But um, moving from there, I mean, so we've seen crude oil, which strengthening dollar, you would expect some declining crude didn't take effect last year. Maybe that's coming into some play now, but where you've definitely seen the strength of the dollar affect things, as we mentioned, is on the international equity front. And that's led to some changes, not on some of the broader like dolly based relative strength rankings that we have, but on the group scores page, you've started to see a lot of those international equity groups tick notably lower um, meanwhile, you've had cash tick up in those rankings, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think for that third third chart or third thing to look mm -hmm. at uh, was looking at some of the, the movement from the U.S. money market group and how that relates to some of the other groups on the group scores page, right? Right. And and really, when we look at that, you know, one of the groups that we saw move below U.S. money market was commodities, which has been held up very much so by crude oil. And that pullback contributed to it kind of falling below U.S. money market as a broad group. But the one that we're continuing to watch here, we've seen all international and global diversified fall below cash. 
but the all equity funds, which includes global funds, international, domestic, still sits above cash right now, along with U.S. equity diversified. So, again, we're kind of reaching for silver linings in some fashion here, but it is one. Now, we've seen that score get to the point where they're roughly about 0.2 points in terms of spread between the two. Mm -hmm. So that is on the narrower side, but really kind of looking at this year, I mean, even going back into last year, there's been a lot of action between these two groups. The last time we really saw a U.S. money market even inch above that all equity funds was back in March when we had the bank collapse. Mm -hmm. uh, but really since then, it's been able to kind of sustain above uh, that U.S. money market group. But it's also kind of interesting just looking back at some of the history with that chart, too, of when you've seen U.S. money market move above all equity funds. And I think you were even talking earlier, especially in relation to uh, the all U.S. equity diversified group. It's pretty interesting between all U.S. equity funds and that group's movement and relative to cash and how how they behave. Yeah, I mean, when you're looking at the so when you're looking at that group scores graph, right? And we'll throw it up for those following along on YouTube. Looking at the all U.S. equity diversified all equity funds and U.S. money market. So looking at that equity and money market first, throw U.S. equity on top of it because it's currently. Um, higher ranked than both of those areas, um, you generally tend to see that all equity funds cross beneath money market before the U.S. equity diversified. And so when we're looking at that money market group score history, we only have history there going back to 2005. And so obviously the past since that time period hasn't seen a lot of strength for international equities since that kind of the, obviously the 20 since the 2000s and the 2010s and forwards. Now, I haven't seen a lot of strength for international. So you would expect when you see weakness in the domestic equity market, international had lower, less move, less space to move lower than the money market, right? And so you'd see that drop first and then all that US equity diversified potentially follows. Another point that I think is important, I mean, they've seen pretty similar movement in terms of all US equity diversified and just that all equity funds, mm -hmm. in terms of just the direction of movement over the past year or two. I mean, you haven't seen either group score north of 4.0 since the beginning of 2021, um, mm -hmm. January, February timeframe of 2021. I mean, they generally don't tend to rock it up like your technology or whatever groups right. are up at the top. They tend to kind of hang around it, kind of the, the maybe upper third of the, of the areas when in bullish environments. But it just hasn't, this most recent rally, I mean, got us up to a 3.7-ish, 3.78 score back in August for U.S. equity diversified and just kind of followed the all equity funds space lower. Um, moving close to the, the money market space, we've seen them touch a couple times. We saw them touch in March. We saw them touch in May. Um, haven't seen that sustained movement, like you said, for money market ahead of either area. But you also haven't seen the big drop in that money market group score, mm -hmm. like we might expect in a real bullish environment. But I mean, it's hung around north of that 2.0 score threshold since uh, February of 22. Well, and that sort of segues in a way to just mentioning MMPR, which is right. in relation to that U.S. money market group. This week, it upticked above the 50% level, technically since the first time since May, but we only saw that happen for a day before it fell back down. But really, the last time we even saw it do it for more than a day was in March. Um, and it did it for about a week. So, I mean, there is potential that this could be short term. You know, we've not really seen it continue to spike. It's been a little more steady, but it's also intriguing to see that U.S. money market group improve, MMPR improve. And like you said, 
they've still really kind of hung down there or hung around the, both both metrics really in terms of exhibiting some form of strength. Yeah. You know, they've not really given up the ghost entirely. Right, right. Which I think is an important thing to note. I mean, you have both of those groups that are still north of that 3.0 score line, which is kind of that line in the sand. I mean, we literally turn it green on the group scores page, right, when it moves above that. So it's it, they're not necessarily technically weak from an equity perspective, right? I've been looking at that 3.0 score threshold. Um, and when you're looking at some other kind of near-term focus indicators, so this is one that we're looking at from a typically more of a longer term perspective where it's near term movement that's tracked because those scores are going to change every single day. Um, but we, we don't see these two groups get that close um, all that often, I guess. It, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not something we're looking at typically as a change on a, on a, on a day-to-day basis because flip-flopping around. And really over the past two years, we've talked about a lot more just because of that. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. Because we've seen a lot more movement there over the past couple of years than we had for the prior 10, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but one area that you can kind of look towards. So if we see further weakness in the broader space, you could see that move lower, which wouldn't be a great sign for markets. But if we do, we've talked a lot about how a lot of areas of the market on the equity side are pretty oversold. Whether you're in international equity, certainly domestic equity is pretty oversold as well. Um, you can check out the podcast from last week where I believe Will and Miles kind of ran through some of the, or maybe it was Will and Joseph, um, ran through some of the different oversold conditions that we're seeing in the broader marketplace. Um, and one area that you can kind of look toward that's moving pretty low from an indicator perspective for our fourth and final chart of the day, um, the 10-week for the S&P 500, TWSPX, for those that are following along. Uh, this chart measures the percentage of S&P 500 stocks that are trading above their 50-day or 10-week moving average, right? But we're down at 8%. It's not, that, it's not that many. It's not that many stocks in the S&P that are at that low level. And in, uh, that when we get down beneath that 10% mark, kind of tends to be a, a line of demarcation where we start to at least look toward a potential move higher. Right. And we saw similar moves below 10%, not necessarily we would qualify as the same market environment, but last year we saw moves below 10%. We've seen moves below 10% for this indicator in the past too. And it's really a level that once it hits that 10% mark and begins to kind of work its way around down there, we would qualify that as washed out. But again, you know, even looking at it 10%, it still has some room to work around there. So it's not like we hit 10% and then the very next day we're buying. You right. know, it's not that by any means. It, it is an indicator to say that we're seeing, you know, that that move to the downside with many stocks moving below their 50-day moving average. Ultimately, it won't uptick until we get them moving back above. But it is something that when we get these washed out levels, you sort of put an alert on for a reversal back up just to look for those reversals and where they may move. Um, because move back above 10%, historically is pretty helpful yeah um, so. yeah yeah it has i mean it's important thing to keep in mind like you said it's at eight percent we saw it hit in september of last year it hit the four percent mark mm-hmm. we'd have to the indicator level would have to be cut in half to get down to that four percent right. mark from here right and we saw it hit two percent in, in in june of last mm-hmm. year so then cut in half again right? i mean every move lower from this threat is, is gonna gonna feel pretty bad mm-hmm. if it does continue to tick down um but it, it we that is definitely the area where it can't go all that much lower and so that's where we start looking for it would reverse back up with the potential move to around the 14 percent level need to get north of that 14 um, i believe with yesterday's movement we actually got just above the 10 percent level on wednesday so 
need to see it continue to kind of uptick here. Not necessarily seeing a lot of movement that's going to lead us in that direction, at least at the time of this recording on Thursday. Um, but definitely an area to to look out for as we're looking forward. More near this is a more near term focus indicator, right? Right. And and I mean, you may even look at some of the other sector indicator ten weeks as well as even some of the broader market ten weeks. They might not necessarily be at ten percent. But talking about this chart, if you're seeing some of those 10-week indicators, whether it's sector broad market, whatever it may be, reaching this level, that's really what we're getting at in right. terms of looking at these indicators and saying they're really at low levels at this point and watching for reversals. You know, in, and in truth, looking at last year, the first reversal still wasn't necessarily what led the market higher because we ended up seeing a reversal back down into O's. So there was a rally on another exile on right? both of those times. In June and in the and in October, there reversed up, pullback, reversed up, pullback, ultimately swung higher. Same yep. thing that we saw in October. Reversed up, pullback, reversed up, pullback, and then swung all the way. Both of those times moving mm-hmm. from below 10% up to 90%. I mean, a so, lot of whipsaw having yep. back and forth action. Hopefully that's not the case with this move. But yeah, like just because it gets down to this level doesn't mean you want to step in and buy now. Right. It's that reversal back in axis that could be kind of considered there. Yeah. And, and you know, even on the two examples we talked about last year, we did mention the reversals in those. The important part about even looking at some of those reversals in those is that they don't go back to that same level. Right. In both cases, looking back to June and, and really technically October, looking at the chart of last year, you saw higher bottoms put in place on that pullback. Higher, when, high, higher lows. Yeah. Anytime we're talking about a chart, when you're seeing that, we're ultimately seeing a better, typically with trend charts, we're talking about a positive trend. But in this case, we're seeing an increase in participation. So that's what we look for. Yeah. And looking, I mean, we've hit on kind of hit on a lot of different things, but those four main areas we've hit on today is we kind of um, try to bring this to a close. I mean, the dollar still at, at extended levels, potentially overbought, definitely an area to kind of look toward with that overhead resistance. Crude oil pulling back to kind of look to see if this is just a pullback, a 10% pullback, <laughs> or a healthy pullback. It will see some support come into play if we see that continue to move lower. From a longer term perspective, that that equity funds versus money market group score relationship. And then finally here and looking at if we do start to improve, an indicator you can look toward at that 10-week SPX chart. So, I mean, that's a uh, there's a lot of other stuff that we could look at, David. But I mean, that's uh, that's that that should at least keep keep us uh, keep us wrapped up for the week here for sure. And if we tried to go any longer, we'd be here for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, great. Well, with that, David, thanks for uh, thanks for jumping in here with us. And thanks to everyone for tuning in and listening to us here this week. And we look forward to talking with you again next week.